So that is us. That is us live, I think. That sounds right, Katie Hunter. Um, sorry to cut you off there, but yeah. For everyone who's watching, thank you for watching. Um, first of all, please do like and subscribe to all the MMA UK channels. We really appreciate your support. And um, yeah, tonight we're here. We're going to be going over UFC 249, which went down on the weekend. Um, I think it was a, probably a card that will probably be remembered as one of the most uh, eventful cards with coming out of coronavirus lockdown. So we're going to talk about that. And uh, yeah, there's a lot to get through, so I'm going to go straight into it. First of all, let me show you to my guests. First of all, Glenn the Sledge Williams. Uh, Glenn, how are you, buddy? I'm very good, Lou. How are you, Matt? I'm not too bad, Glenn. I, I got to say, Glenn, this is the best signal I've ever seen for you on one of these shows. Well, no word will I. I've left my Wi-Fi off and I've stuck to my mobile network for a change. Definitely. <laughs> well, you're going to get rinsed on that, but as long as we got a good show. <laughs> now, can I start off with a quick uh, shout-out to my uh, long-time friend and coach, Richard Franco-Williams, whose wife gave birth to a baby girl yesterday. Brilliant. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. Yeah, fair play, Rich. Well done, buddy. Um, so yeah, Glenn, thanks for coming on. Thank you for paying the wife, well, paying for your data. And uh, <laughs> always good to see you, buddy. Um, Chris Emmanuel, how are you, buddy? Nice, nice to see you this evening. You're looking very well. I'm good, thanks, mate. You? I'm, I'm good, buddy. I'm good. As always, Chris, always better for seeing you, buddy. Smooth as silk, you are, yeah. mate. Smooth. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least. Uh, the, the legend, Katie Hunter. Katie, what's going on? How's how's lockdown treating you, Katie? I'm all right, actually. I'm doing fine. I think I've got it easier than a lot of people. I'm not having to homeschool or anything, so I've got no kids. So, yeah, I'm trying not to complain too much. How are you? I, I'm doing good. I, I was going to say, are you tanned a little bit there, Katie? You, you're looking quite brown. This is not only my normal Essex fake tan, which is obviously in place but i've also got a new ring light as well so yeah i can adjust the uh here we are <laughs> to be whatever shade you want me to be <laughs> <laughs> there we are tip, tip of the day from katie hunter good light then <laughs> so guys massive card on the weekend ufc 249 um obviously for people who don't know the main event of that was for the interim lightweight belt Tony Ferguson, El Kakui against Justin Highlight Gaethje. An incredible fight. Obviously, Justin Gaethje coming in uh, with a massive, massive upset. Stopped Tony Ferguson in the fifth round with a TKO. Arguably the best performance of his career. I, I would say it probably is the best performance of his career for him to stop a guy like Tony. 12-fight win streak. Uh, Glenn, I'm going to come to you first on this one, buddy. I, I know you're walking around, but you're going to have to do it on the move. What, what did you yeah, make of this fight? Yeah, I'm going to back. I like it. I'm going to send the Katie, I think. <laughs> you know, uh... Moving to my kitchen. <laughs> so, how's that? You're looking good, buddy. You're looking good. Perfect. <laughs> so, what did you make of the fight, Glenn? Obviously, Justin Gaethje getting that TKO of um, Tony Ferguson. And, and we got a new interim champion now. Oh, it's, 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 I like what he did after. I'm, I'm not happy with the interim one. I'll put the real one on because I think yeah. he's going to get it. Um, as far as best performance of his career, um, well, Gushado, without. I'd go as far as he's my favourite lightweight fight. I, I loved Nate Diaz and McGregor, but that fight was was it was up there. Uh, yeah, it was up well, there. Uh, talk us through the technical side of it a little bit, Glenn, because I know you you've got a little bit more of an insight to us than the rest of us. But that le the left hand Gaethje was landing. What was was there anything yeah. you saw with that that, that impressed you? I found he, he landed bigger punches more when he was on a back foot, coming out of the pocket slightly, which is usually don't happen. 
Now, I'm not a technical striker by any means, but the angles they was creating to come in was brilliant, to be honest. It was really, really, it was, it was brilliant. You can see how much damage he did. Um, and like I told you last time, I like listening to Cornerman and telling him to pull away from his punches a bit just to land cleaner ones. The difference that I made in the third and fourth when he stopped, stopped putting so much power into it and perhaps was saving a little bit of energy. But by doing that, picking his punches, he was hitting cleaner punches and that's when the damage started to come. Yeah, he, he definitely, you know, I, I remember they said on the commentary that he just couldn't miss with those hands. He was he was doing very, very well. And Katie, yeah. I want to come to you. Uh, he got a stoppage in the fifth round there. Uh, Tony obviously was disappointed. There was a little bit of a shove at the end from Tony. Gaethje even said at the end that he would have been pissed off if he was Tony to be stopped like that. What did you think of the stoppage? Do you think it was a good stoppage? Do you think it should have carried on? What was your take on the ending? I thought it was a good stoppage. It was actually hurting me to see him taking so much damage. And he is such a warrior. Um, we said last night that, you know, referees are in there to protect fighters from themselves in those instances. You never know. You know, he might be prepared to die in there, but that, that would not be a good look for the sport. <laughs> we don't want to see that. So... There was no way he was turning it round at that stage. Um, I think the ref had given him every opportunity, but yeah, he needed to be saved from himself at the end. And credit to Justin Gaethje, that fifth round was his best round, I think. He just was merciless. Yeah. And on short notice as well, Katie, wasn't it? I know he, he was supposed to have the fight only a couple of weeks ago, but they, it got our extension. Does that make the, the performance a little bit more impressive that he took it instead of Khabib going in there? I actually think I would rather have been Justin Gaethje, um, a fit guy coming off like three weeks notice, than I would have as overtrained as Tony Ferguson. He said that he's been in camp since November last year. He's, his camps are insane. Like it, all of the stories that come out of them are true. Like I know people who've trained with them. He's not making this shit up. He really does train for six hours straight with, with no breaks and stuff. So I think the fact that he made weight for the Khabib fight that he knew wasn't happening and then had to make weight again. I just think all round, Justin Gaethje probably, you know, only coming off that notice period actually was in his favour. Yeah, yeah, I think I think maybe you're right. Actually, a lot of people said that um, they felt Tony wasn't quite himself, and they I personally did think Tony looked good. I just thought Justin was a step ahead. That that was my take on the whole thing. So I don't know. It's it's, it's one of those, but I guess now we we gotta wait and see what happens with both fighters. Um, unfortunately, what this does mean is that we're probably still not gonna be getting a fight between Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov. It it definitely seems to be a cursed fight, but you know, Justin. Justin stepping in there now, Chris. Did you did you think Khabib will have seen anything to worry him from Justin Gaethje in that fight? Uh, I think Khabib's smart enough to know that everyone in that top echelon of the division is good enough to cause him problems. Everyone throws up a different um, set of issues for him, and if you look at the way that um, Gaethje's just developed since he's moved into the UFC, um, he's just become a far more complete fighter. Uh, it, it, everyone always talks about his, his wrestling, um, his takedown defense of his wrestling because um, he prefers to stay on his feet uh, and his knockout power is always evident. Um, but that self-control and what Glenn talked about, what Trevor Whitland said to him in his corner after the second round where he told him to dial that back and then what he said to him in the fourth round as well, at the end of the fourth round, sorry, to, uh, to control himself and not get overexcited 
because he knows what will happen if he gets overexcited, which Gates himself referenced at the end of um, the fight with this interview with Joe Rogan. Um, yeah. he's, a, he's a smart guy. You know, he's, he's intelligent. He's an incredibly talented fighter. And if Khabib leaves, Khabib leaves himself open for shots all the time, you know, he gets caught. And uh, if he gets caught by a proper shot from Gaethje, that could be nice out and it could be 28 and 1. So, um... <laughs> yeah. so Sh- shout out to Yanis Fleming there, um, yeah. Mr. Sport, Mr. who said he's missed Chris's lisp. So, <laughs> Mr. Herbal Life said. So... Yeah, there we are. <laughs> 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 absolutely roasted it tonight. This is, why, <laughs> this is this is why we shouldn't have the comments switched on. Look, this is why. It's a, it's a, <laughs> Peter needs to learn. Need, Peter needs some tips on singing. Um, yeah. So anyway, going back to Gaethje. Yeah, I think that Khabib is smart enough to know that Gaethje is a real deal and he's a, a serious contender to um, to take away that O. So. Um, it's a really interesting prospect now. I wasn't excited for the thought of Khabib versus Gaethje before this fight, but now I really am. The way he dismantled Tony is just phenomenal. Bet, was, was that they were the best performances in lightweight history for you, uh, Chris? Yeah, definitely. Um, I didn't have Gaethje. I, I had Gaethje um, losing that all, all ends up. I didn't think for one second he'd beat Tony Ferguson. I thought that... Um, Tony would be able to absorb his power, which he did. And I thought that Tony was just a more complete fighter. Um, but it just, he didn't win a round. You know, Gaethje won every single round in that fight comprehensively, I think. And, uh, yeah, it was it was absolutely astounding. Yeah. I think maybe for, for argument's sake, if you wanted to play devil's advocate, you could maybe say Tony might have snuck the second round with a knockdown. But other than that, it was, it was all Gaethje, wasn't it? No, I think... Um, it, it, Gage had enough of a round for that not to have played enough of a part in the judge's decision. But then we did see some crazy judging um, at certain points of the card as well. So you never know, really. Yeah. And there's another question that's just come in from uh, Andy Sledge. So I want to I want to give this one to Glenn. Um, he's asked, what was the opinion on the advice from the corners? Justin was having some awesome advice from Whitman and Tony was having shite advice from Eddie Bravo. I, I was actually going to ask this question anyway because, you know, you mentioned that the advice from Whitman, it was... You know, it was a really, really concise advice. So, good question, Andy. Um, what Eddie and the other guys seemed to be saying was, you know, it's looking beautiful. It's looking beautiful. You did great. But he was losing every round. What, what was your take on that? Oh, uh, apart from the advice I heard in between rounds, I didn't hear him. I was only hearing Tony's corner. And I was trying to listen for the advice to see what, how, how they try and... Because they all say, if it ain't broke, don't change it. But that need, his game plan needed changing. I would have liked him to shoot more. All right, Gaethje's wrestling defence is brilliant, but don't fuck this him in. And, and I couldn't hear it. There was no yeah. cause for him to press or to sit off or to change what he was doing. So he was trying to keep on being Tony Ferguson. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I, I, I don't know, what, what's your take on that, Katie? Because I did feel that there wasn't really, there wasn't too much coming. I know Eddie Bravo did advise that he would do an Imanari role at one point. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. What was your take on the cornering? I know that Tony does like to run his own camps and you don't know how much he's behind, like, you know, just having his own game plan and doing his own thing. I actually thought Eddie Bravo would have been better off not speaking in between those rounds because the things he was saying just, I don't know, they they just didn't seem like advice that you should be giving in a championship fight. It seemed mm. like something that somebody who'd had a few jiu-jitsu lessons might say. I don't know, it just 
And I think the fact that Whitman was giving such good advice just really highlighted it. And the fact that you could hear everything, um, it yeah, he, he wasn't getting, I don't know whether he would have changed his game plan anyway, but he certainly wasn't getting any ideas from his corner on what to do to change things up. Yeah, I, I think that's really evident as well. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's evident as well because Trevor Whitman is, he's got such a close relationship with Justin. That really comes across, I think, when you see the way they interact with each other. I, I don't know, Chris, what, what's your thoughts on Whitman? I think he's, he's got to be one of the best out there at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, well, you can see that from the way that he was um, instructing, uh, instructing Justin throughout the fight. Um, like I said earlier, the, the advice that he gave him after, at the end of round four was instrumental in ensuring that Gaethje finished the job and actually did what was expected of him. Um, I had this conversation. By the way, I want to give a shout out to Andy Sledge. He's uh, one of the one of the old school guys from UK MMA. So, hello, Sledge. Um, yeah, so having this conversation with um, one of the fighters I manage uh, today, Aaron Alley, and uh, he was saying that if Tony had a strike, bearing in mind that at no point did Tony actually try and take it to the ground, where potentially Eddie Bravo could have given him some type of advice. But if you had a decent striking coach in his corner, or somebody who was a decent striking coach who was um, and a forthright enough with this opinion, because I didn't even know who else he had in his corner, to be honest, um, then potentially he could have been given some some decent advice, you know, like stop trying to punch him in his thigh, because every time you punch him in his thigh, you'll get encountered with a hook to your face. You know, no one said that to him at any point in the fight, yet all the way through, even in the fifth round, he is still doing this, you know, crazy idea. I don't know where he got that game plan from, but, you know, there was no... Um, Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> but there's, but, but there's, no ev- there's no evolution to the game plan at all um, whereas Twi- yeah. you, can, you can see that Whitman's a, the type of guy who's capable of changing mid-fight and, and adjusting and giving this fighter the, the correct instruction to actually make sure that um, he, he he reacts to what the other fighter is doing none of that whatsoever came from Tony's corner um, that Imanari role um, instruction was just lunacy and when i think it was the fifth wasn't it when tony tried it he was so yeah, far out last round. You've, yeah. you know it's it's difficult enough to do it the best of times that alone where you're taking 20 minutes worth of punches to the head from justin gaethje so trying to get him to do that at that point in the fight is it, it, it was lunacy to me i didn't understand why he was getting that instruction yeah he, Lou, it, can i can i answer the question you asked chris about uh, what do you think khabib is thinking yeah go on i think he'd rather fight uh, gaethje than ferguson because I don't think, um, I think the, the style matches Khabib, the style for Khabib to beat Gaethje is more suitable than Tony. Because Tony's amazing at cutting people from the bottom. He's still going to put Gaethje in his back now. We wouldn't have been able to fight like that against Tony Ferguson. That's the only danger Tony would have had would be to him is on his back, trying to shoot up something or trying to cut them or elbows. I think he could put it. Okay, it's going to be a lot harder to get Tony to get uh, Justin Gaethje on his back. But I think when once he gets it, he's going to be much more dominant than what he would be with Tony Ferguson. Hmm. It, it's one of those, isn't it? Because everyone you think about, you you think of the wrestler, the caliber of wrestlers Khabib has fought, and he's just mauled every single one of them. So even when you say like a, a national wrestling champion like Justin Gaethje, it still doesn't give you much confidence that he's going to be able to stop Khabib's yeah. takedown. So when when you when you thought, think like of a fight that is definitely going to go to the floor. Like like you said, I think it does definitely give a guy like Tony on his back more chance in some ways. I would I like so. the rules to change before Gaethje and that could be fight, though, because I'm sticking by my guns. My argument is, if I've tried taking you down four times and you stopped me three and I've only taken you down once, I think you have won the wrestling. 
So if you know Gaethje only uses his wrestling to defend takedowns, I think if 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 he's only taking them down once out of four attempts, then the defender is winning, and and that's not how they score it. Mm-hmm. They score the offensive. Uh, 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 offensive wrestler at the, sa- uh, at the same time though Sledge if if you block a kick or a punch you don't get a point for blocking the kick or the punch you I know that but it's different though, isn't it? they, they, they're they not scoring effective kicks or effective punches it's effective striking as an overall I'm, it, wrestling for me is defensive as well as offensive striking if isn't if that was the case then Michelle Watson um, would have run through Carlos Esparza on the judges scorecard because um, mm-hmm. Watson, Watson stopped uh, how many of Carla Esparza's takedowns? Yeah, I, I missed that. I did, yeah. I, uh, well, she, she stuffed virtually everything that Carla threw at her, yeah. um, takedown-wise, and uh, she still lost on the judges' scorecard. Yeah. I think this is I one... Think it we like for like, perhaps not like for like, but it should be a, a more of a scoring towards... Because yeah. as far as I'm concerned, I'm deciding whether wrestlers go in if I'm defending or whether fighters yeah. go in. If I decide where the fight goes, I should be scored for, you know, for dominating it. It's an interesting point, Sledge. I, I think for me, I want to take this up further with like a, a really top coach like Richard Shaw or Brad Pickett, someone, him, yeah. someone who's like really in, into sort of the rule side of things. That's I think the, ne- the next step we get one of these going. Yeah. We get one of these guys on and, and we see what they think, I reckon. To be fair, all of uh, Shaw and me, Jack and um, Carl Parker, I'd love to hear all their, their opinions yeah. on that. I think I think that'd be a good one for next one. But anyway, back on the UFC 249 because we got a lot to get through. So we're going to get on to the co-main event now, which was contested between Henry Cejudo and Dominic Cruiser. Another absolutely massive, massive fight. You know, you've got the guy who started that division, Dominic Cruz, coming up against uh, Triple C, Olympic champion, uh, flyweight champion, and bantamweight champion, Henry Cejudo. A-, a brilliant fight, obviously. Cejudo getting the win with a second-round TKO. Um, Katie, I want to come to you first on this one. But talk talk us through the fight a little bit. What happened, and and what did you see in that in that stoppage from Zahudo? Oh, I think I think Zahudo's winning the fight anyway. Like that, I really loved the leg kicks that he was he was just literally trying to take. As as the commentator said, were the only thing they got right. Like that, he was going for both legs every time he he hacked at him, and he he really was going for. Dominic I think the fact that Dominic I might be being a bit harsh but I don't really feel he's evolved that much and that style that was so awkward and crazy 10 years ago maybe some people are finding a way to deal with it um the stoppage I feel like you can argue it either way and if you're Henry you're going to think it was a great stoppage and if you're Cruz you're going to be unhappy with it um Somebody messaged me about the accusation that, that Cruz made after the show, and I hadn't even heard it, but he said that Peterson um, stunk of booze and cigarettes. and I don't even know why cigarettes is a problem, actually, but yeah. <laughs> um, kind of say, suggesting that his judgment was impaired, which is a pretty harsh accusation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's a real account. Does anyone know if that's real? I've heard it. Yeah, it's real. Let's go check out the look. I think it'd be verified if that was a real account. It doesn't look verified to me. But, but no. It, I, to be honest, Katie, I know what you mean. I I don't think it it helps anyone making accusations like that. As in, but for me, what what I would say, I did think Dominic was getting back to his feet. But also, and I, I said he wasn't this when defending himself. Yeah, 
he was trying he was trying to get back to his feet, but what I said, and it's the same thing with the TJ Dillashaw fight, I feel like Henry Zahudo is such a good winner, he sells it to the ref very well. You know, that the, the, just kind of his body language, the way he flurries. I feel like he has a very good way of selling these finishes. And I mean, in his own right, 11 unanswered punches, you know, if you drop and then you, you're eating that many shots, it is, it, it's fair enough, you're, you're in that position to get stopped. That's but not really That's not his real account, no. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think even just the accusation, it, it's not really helping anyone. So, I don't know, it, it's one of those, I guess, only Dominic will know why he said it, but... There we are. I mean, I'd, I'd let him off for the fact that he's just taken a lot of damage to the head, and I feel like you can excuse a lot of behaviour straight after that. But he should come out and apologise if he doesn't yeah. stand by it. So it'd be interesting to see. Otherwise, it's going to be though awkward. Those two working the same shows in the future, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know what to say. Really, it's it's not very good. But I know Glenn. Do you think three years out did him any good in a fight against um, one of the best champions out there at the minute? Um, it, it didn't look like, but the only thing I was going to say, Katie already said it, um, in three years you can't evolve for the times in the oven. Um, same as I think when somebody finds the answer to Khabib's pray and lay, I think everyone's going to copy it. And if they find that answer in three years and he came back, he's not going to be know how to come at them. So that's, that's what the antidote to me was. As far as the stoppage goes as well, I, I think that the ref, perhaps a couple of seconds earlier, if he stepped in before he tried getting up, he wouldn't have had to say. But when he started making that motion forward, he hadn't tried getting up and he was already committed then to stopping it. So then he got in the way and tried stopping him. So that's why I think he looked a bit, uh, or a bit, um, I don't know, wrong then because his hand was on the floor and he was back against the cage trying to get up. He had already made that commitment towards him. I think he tried to stop it then. Yeah. So, did you have any problems with the stoppage, Glenn, or do you think it was a good stoppage? Bad positioning by the ref is the only thing. I mean, if he'd stopped it before his hand was on a cage and before he started getting up, which that's when he made the initial movement towards him, I feel, then nobody would have would have, would have have cared. But because he had gone through the process of trying to get don't forget, them 11 punches was when his face was on the floor, mate. Yeah, and then and then afterwards he tried getting up. So perhaps he could have shot. He should have stopped there a few punches earlier. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. Actually, um, here we are. It's one of those. Like for me, I I personally I I thought it was a good stoppage, but like you said, I always I always kind of tend to lean on the side of going with the ref because I think it's it's safer for the fighters. But I suppose everyone has their own opinion, don't they? So, um, but I mean, for, for me, Sahuda looked brilliant in this fight. Anyway, I thought he was. He'd won the two rounds at that point. I thought is the difference in sort of catching Dominic out this time was that I thought in coming up a weight class, I thought Sahuda was much faster than anyone Dominic had fought before. I think that I thought that was the real telling issue for me that Cruz could not run him. And I loved how Sahuda was adjusting as well. He says he yeah. adjusts his fights and he does. He was timing him coming. I wouldn't like a leg kick off him. His thighs are massive. You know, yeah. he was coming in timing, catching it and. Before he come back out, he'd been hit with an absolute sledgehammer of a leg. Like, so, fair play, you know, kudos to him. Yeah, he's, he's a great champion. And that brings me on to, on to you, Chris, because, you know, to have such a great champion like Cejudo putting on three or four big, big performances in a row now, at the end of that fight, he kind of, he says thank you to everyone. And, you know, that's the end of my career. Do you think that was a good time for him to retire? And do you think he's going to come back to the sport of MMA? <clears throat> It's 50-50, isn't it? Because 
yes, it's a good time for him to retire because he spent so long um, competing at a high level in both wrestling and MMA. Um, he spent all of his formative years, teenage years, through his 20s, he's 33 years old now. Um, that's a hell of a lot of time that he's been competing and not actually lived a life. And the, the cheesy little so-and-so has fallen in love now and uh, finally got himself a girlfriend. And uh, he's looking at potentially settling down and having a family. Now, you can't do that. You can't commit 100% to MMA and 100% to having a family. And if he's that type of person who wants to be, you know, a 21st century dad, then that, that's a decision worth making. But then the cynic in me looks at it and thinks, well... Um, what a great ploy for him to essentially put himself back in the pitch with the UFC yeah. and, and on, the, on the bargaining table. And the next time they bring up a champion anywhere between 125 and 145 who is dominant, who makes a lot of noise, they've got somebody who's an Olympic gold medalist, 125 champion, 135 champion, taking out a who's who list of fighters um, and then walks away at the very top. They'll bring him straight back in like George Champier and make an absolute shed ton of money together. So, um, sensible decision. He's, a, he's an app. He, he reminds me, I, I think I've said it before on this podcast. He, he, he looks like White Goodman um, from Dodgeball. Every time I see him, the way that he moves, the way he acts, he just reminds me of that character from Dodgeball. He just irritates the crap out of me. <laughs> but you've got I've so much respect for the way that he fights, the way that he's involved, and also his business acumen and putting himself in this position where he will actually have a choice and he's not going to be dictated to by the company he can come back in on his own terms which is a rarity in the UFC yeah I, I think like you said it's rare you know to see usually we see guys kind of fall off the top but I mean Cejudo has just looked better and better every fight up until this point doesn't he mm. you look at the difference between you know the Cejudo came in at 125 and struggled to make weight and was very one-dimensional to the guy who dismantled Dominic Cruz who was always classed as being one of the most difficult fighters to fight against technically um like you guys have TJ. Said, my turn to talk now okay like you guys have <laughs> said beforehand, dominic cruz was uh he had a, a unique style which was difficult to replicate and difficult to fight against for me tj dillashaw was dominic cruz 2.0 the way that he moved he was dominic cruz but with power as well um but cejudo dealt with him as well so it, it, it's a sensible decision by cejudo um, he's he's essentially left with a relatively unblemished record, and now has the opportunity to decide what he wants to do with his life. Yeah, no, fair play. And we've got D Brown has left comments saying it's not a good time for Triple Champ to retire. Um, there's some big money bouts for him to have. Um, yeah, I mean, Kate, Katie, there is some some good money going missing for him now, isn't it? That's the only thing when he's in such form. Yeah, I think Chris is right, though. He's, he's better off. If he wants the time off, you can't really get it when you're champ. You're supposed to stay active. He's, and he's champ of two weight classes, although he's owned up to the fact that he doesn't want to go back down to 125. So this way he gets to walk away with the belts, probably have a year or two off to start this family if he wants to, comes back and has a super fight, his first fight back, he's he is gonna have the best of both of us, probably on a much better deal than he's on at the moment. Um, because he's probably not making big money out of these fights, I wouldn't have thought. Um so yeah, we may as well come back in a couple of years for a super fight. Yeah, that's probably the, that's probably the lighter weights, though, isn't it? The lighter weights never get the respect that they deserve, and that's why yeah. you saw uh, Mighty Mouse disappear off to to one because he just wasn't getting the money for it. And the fact that you've got someone who is so highly decorated 
and it's so dominant across two weight classes to fighting as a co-main to an interim title. Okay, it's a heavier weight, but it's still only an interim title. Shows that it doesn't actually that that, that weight class doesn't have the draw that the yeah. bigger guys do. So in terms of pay per view points, I wonder what he'd be getting there as well. I doubt if he'd have been getting anywhere near the same amount as um, Ferguson and potentially Gaethje for being the uh, being the top draw. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely food for thought. But either way, I think um, I, I'm I'm happy for him to retire on top. Like you said, it doesn't happen very often, so I'll be happy to see him come back. But also at this point, uh, happy to see someone go out on top. So yeah, congratulations to Henry Sudo, amazing fight, and um, yeah, we look forward to seeing what the future holds for him. Uh, so that takes on to the who next fight, fight now. Who fights for the uh, vacant bantamweight belt then, Lewis? Oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? Well, when's TJ's? Um, When's TJ's suspension? Best, best, best part of the year before he comes back. So he's out of the picture for a while. And I think Marias probably after his win over Aldo, he's got to come back in for a shot, doesn't he? Peter Jan. Um, yeah, I think yeah, probably Marias and Jan. I think it should be Jan versus Sterling. Oh, yeah. I, I, think... I think so, kid. That's my one. If we're talking about who people should fight next, um, if we can just quickly roll back a little bit. Who do you think that Tony Ferguson should fight next? Because that guy's not going to retire. Looking at him dancing around his hotel, his hospital room today. Nate Diaz, I want to see him fight. I put a poll on my Instagram, and uh, a few a few people have said Diaz. That's, that's the people. fight to make, I think. What do you reckon, Katie? Um, God. Oh, I don't. I, I mean, he's not going to get a fight with Connor because it's it's too dangerous of a fight for Connor. But I'd I'd like him to get a money fight before he retires. I don't think he's got too many more left in him. As a fan, can I try an alien? Yeah. Dan Dan Hangman Hooker. Very good fight. Ooh. It's a very yeah. good fight. Could you imagine watching those two just literally smash the living shit out of each other yeah. around oh, the cage? I don't want to see him get hurt like that. <laughs> I don't. I don't think. To- I don't think Tony will step back in that sense now. Though I think he's only going to get. I think he's only going to go for like a big, big name like a Khabib. He could see he's ranked five or six in the world. I know, but yeah. he's he's but not had that. He's not had that consistency that Ferguson's had. Is he? He's only look, really just. At, you look at just become a big Khabib. name. You've got Khabib, you've got Tony Ferguson, you've got Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, and then you've got Dan Hooker. Now, none of the others are going to fight. The other ones are going to fight him. No, that's my point. I, I think mm. it'd be a great fight. I just think I can see I could see Tony fighting Dustin Poirier, or I could see him yeah. sitting out and I, taking I the winner of Khabib. I could see him taking Khabib anyway if he beats Justin Gaethje. I can't, and I can't, see, uh, I can't see Dustin Poirier taking the Tony Ferguson no, fight. Far too no. dangerous for Poirier. I He's don't want. I don't want Ferguson to sit back and become um, become a gatekeeper because mm. he, he have he have danger then of losing and just dropping down and finishing finish his legacy in a bad way. Finish on top like Sahudo, well, not quite like Sahudo, but stay at the top and off either knock on the head or don't start dropping down and start being a, a match you know, a stepping stone for anyone. I wouldn't like that for him at all. Do you guys not think he could just sit out for a couple of months and still fight the winner of Khabib or Gaethje? No, he won't get the winner. No, no, he won't be. He won't get a title fight for loss. It'll be you know full well whoever wins that's fighting Conor McGregor next. Yeah, I suppose. But uh, I mean, if McGregor fights in between that and loses, I don't know. I I think it's possible. Why didn't he get a, a title shot? Because. 
two other people this year alone have uh, have, have, have taken shots off the back of losses. So yeah, why not somebody holds the record for the for the longest win streak in uh, Lake Street? Because no, he deserves it on the back so of that alone. It completely deserves it. But the problem you got is it's 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 a business rather it's a business first, isn't it? So you have got Conor McGregor in that division. Dustin Poirier is coming off the back of being in a uh, in a very strong position. They're both well ahead of him now in the rankings. Mm. I don't know. It's, it's it's definitely one to think about. I think because even though Tony lost that, he still was trying to go until the end as well, which I think does mean a lot. He wasn't he wasn't broken in that sense. So I I, I think it could happen if something goes wrong. We might maybe I'm just clinging to. I want to see this Tony Ferguson and Khabib fight so much. I don't know. Maybe Justin will win and he could get Khabib if if Justin beats. Yeah, him. maybe maybe. Mm. I just got to go to a comment from Ricky Wright as well, who was going back to the Zahudo conversation. He said um, the, the next fight that's going to be for the Bantamweight title is Brett or Tank, which, I mean, I'm not complaining if that happens. So two Welsh people on the show. What are your views? On, on what, from, sorry? Coming from uh, Welsh, Welsh Ricky Wright, I was just wondering what the two Welsh people in the room thought about the two Welsh names being put forward by the Welsh fan Ricky Wright. For, in terms of what? <laughs> Tank or uh, Tank or Sean? Ooh. For, for a title shot, you mean? That's what he's saying. Which fans are first or Lewis? Go on, you go <laughs> first, Ledge. Oh, as much as we both going to love a title shot, I feel, I think, um, so Sterling who beat, who beat Brett will have a go first. And I think in a couple of years, then he will come back and I think Brett, Brett will, will beat him. But he won't be ready yet. That's for Tank, it's a couple of two years too early. But he will definitely, I think Tank will be uh, the first Welsh champion. So yeah, they're not, not yet. Both, and that's the honest. Joking aside, I reckon within the, next 18, within the next 18 months, you're going to see both of them in the top 10. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. But, but they've got to build them in now. Hmm. I was only giving shit because it was Ricky Wright saying about it. He's the yeah. uh, biggest Welsh nationalist I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would agree with Sledge. I think, like you said, it's a, it's a little bit too soon for Tank to be talking about that. But I, I think the next, maybe in the next year, Jackson will be in the top 10. And yeah. Brett, after his last performance, he was just, he looked brilliant, didn't he? So, yeah, no, brilliant. I really, really enjoyed that. They're training together as well, which I think is pushing the two of them on. So, yeah. I mean, you, you, the sky's the limit for them too now. I think they're both our leading night. There's, there's another guy I think has got a, a big shout. He's not in the UFC yet, but Mason Jones, he's another guy I think is going to, Going to do a lot of damage when he gets in there. Um, uh, the future is looking bright for Welsh MMA at the minute. But but what I'd like to make, like Tank is going to get the um, standard of people he didn't have in Cage Warriors. Mason haven't come up against the genuine uh, prey and lace. I mean, no genuine wrestler yet. It's going to take him down. Though. Yeah. Don't know. Yeah. He's going to. It's going to take a couple of fights like that until he's ready for them regularly. I feel. Hey, we, we know what good a striking is. We know what good everything is about him. But can he put up with a fight like that? We don't know yet. But until he starts doing that like a lower level and just getting used to how to cope with it, I think then he'll be a top 10 fighter. You know. yeah. It'll be later rather than sooner, but that will come once he's in there. Yeah. No, we look forward to that one. Like I said, we're, we're, Wales definitely got a lot of good fighters coming through. And uh, well, that's good for me and you, Sledge. So, yeah. yeah. But anyway, pushing us back onto this because you're, you're sidetracking me there, Chris Emmanuel. <laughs> <laughs> so easy to get you Welsh to yeah, talk about the Welsh. It is, it is. <laughs> um, back to UFC 249, Francis Ngannou versus Jozino Rosenstrike. Uh, it, w- it was a fight that didn't last very long. It lasted a couple of seconds. Francis Ngannou 
came out beast mode, at a massive shot, didn't flinch and not rose and strike. Clean Don't out. think we're gonna call him out in a hurry again, is he? Yeah. <laughs> Chris, I'll come to you first on this one. Um, talk, talk us through the fight, buddy. All, all three or four seconds of it. Okay, I'm going to be controversial for a change now. Um, it was shit, not like, wasn't it? Not, not like you, Chris. It was shit. <laughs> so, Ngannou comes out. Abs- uh, he, he, first of all, he looks like he's standing quite tight. He looks like he's in. He's got some good shape. But then all of a sudden, as soon as he takes a little clip, he just windmills. And because he's got that absolutely phenomenal knockout power, he just relies on that. And he's just throwing the most ridiculous shots. And Rosenstroke, it was like a rabbit in the, or a deer in the headlights, absolutely panicked. There was no movement whatsoever. He just walked back in a straight line until he got to the point where he couldn't go back any further, got clipped on the chin, fell back against the fence, and that was it. It was game over. You, um, Daniel Cormier was saying on Twitter today, um, there's absolutely no way that he would stand with Francis Ngannou. All he'd do is he'd just duck under, he'd take him down, he'd just beat him up. And he'd, take, he'd, he'd fight him on the ground. It'd be pointless standing with him. So if you've got someone, if you're fighting against someone like uh, Ngannou, you've got to go in with a relative game plan, not just stand there and let him hit you, because that's all that happened. It was, it, I don't think it was, it, you know, obviously it's fun to watch. It's, it's fun to watch someone get knocked out. But in terms of actual skill and ability, it's probably the, the least skillful performance on the card, I thought. Yeah. Well, R- Richard Daly's commenting that it doesn't tell us much about Francis or whether he's right to uh, take on another wrestler. Any decent wrestler would have ducked those well punches and taken him down. I think I think that's pretty Absolutely. much it. That's something we can all agree on. Um, no, no one should, no one in their right mind is going to stand there and try and take those punches. So you, you've got to try and wrestle them, you know? Last night, I did chuck up a, uh, a fight that I'd love to see happen. Francis yeah. Ngannou versus Anthony Rumble Johnson. Crazy fight, yeah, crazy fight. Glenn, Brilliant. do you think he, Glenn, do you think he'll go for a fight like that next, or do you think he should get a title shot now after the streak he's on? I think he's, he's going to be in line for a title shot, isn't he? Whether um, DC will get a rematch with Steve Bay before DC retires, or whether they took a straight to Ngannou. But again, I don't think he's, he's he just haven't got the defensive skills to stop rest and take him down. You commit that much, you go forward. Somebody changes the levels, they're going to take your leg home, and that's the end of it. Yeah, no, I. I think you're probably like Kate, Katie. Um, what, what's your thoughts? DC next or Engano for the for the for the belt shot? Yeah, so that's what I told Mason. I I think if if Stipe comes back soon, because he's saying he's got this eye injury and he's he's firefighting and stuff, and he's needed at the moment. And DC's obviously getting on. He wanted to retire at forty, and I think his forty first birthday was in March Last month, this yeah. year. Yeah, so. He's getting um, on DC now, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I feel that Mason was thinking maybe it would be DC versus Ngannou, but I think DC will retire unless he gets Stipe or maybe John Jones. But I think the Stipe fight is the one he's holding out for. If that doesn't happen, I can just see him retiring. Yeah. Um, so so do, you, do you think he'd take it, though? It. Katie, do you think he'd take it if they, if the UFC... Say Stipe says, now, look, I can't... I can't commit to a fight now for the next three or four months because of what's happening with coronavirus. Um, I need to be I need to be in my firefighting station. And the UFC says, look, DC, last fight, yourself versus Ngannou for an interim belt. Do you think that is enough to interest him to, to have that last fight well, with Ngannou? Not, or I do don't you... know for an interim belt because I think, you know, how Justin Gaethje treated that belt. That's how real fighters feel about those belts. They... 
they have those belts so they get paid as a champion um not but if it was for a real belt then maybe he does want to walk away on top but uh, i don't i feel like he, he's so annoyed with himself for the way he fought in that stipe fight and the way he ignored the game plan and ignored his corner and just lost it for himself. I feel like he's desperate for that opportunity to to get that one back because he knows he can get that one back and he shouldn't have lost to him, yeah. um, in his opinion anyway. Um, so I think for everything DC's done for the sport, DC deserves the next title shot against Stipe. If Stipe's not coming back, I reckon they could be fighting. I reckon it could be Francis against somebody else. Yeah, it's, it's it's very interesting, and I think this this coronavirus is definitely bringing a lot of challenges up just to get the cards on, but also in terms of how it affects the roster now. How how does it affect the rankings with people who's ranked higher maybe can't make these fights? Do they do they carry on without it, or you know do they do they sort of wait? What what what's your opinions, Chris? Do you think it's it's challenging, isn't it? It's challenging now. I think we're going to have um, more of a view in two weeks' time when we see the fallout of this week's events. Um, because the, from what I've read, the, the coronavirus has a um, gestation period of up to 14 days. So the number of people who were exposed to um, Jacare and Jacare's cornerman over the two days um, before they were pulled off the card um, was pretty high. So uh, if we have a situation where we do have a series of illnesses as a result of exposure at UFC 249, I think this conversation is pretty much immaterial because uh, they're not yeah. going to have any more events. It's, um, it, it's a huge risk in the first place actually putting it on. Okay, it's a calculated risk to an extent, and all of us have enjoyed watching it, regardless of how we felt about it morally. Um, but um, I, I still don't feel fully comfortable and fully confident yeah. that um, we're going to walk away from it. Well, the sport is going to walk away from this unscathed. I still think and ju- just, for, just for people who don't know the situation with this, um, obviously on this card, UFC 249, Jack Souza was meant to be fighting against Uriah Hall. Um, he made weight, they turned up, and then the day, I think before the fights or the day of the fights, um, Jack Ray Sousa actually tested positive for COVID-19, so he was pulled from the card, the whole fight was removed, um, but it was obviously after the case that he'd been around all the UFC staff, a lot of other fighters, which a lot of people were angry about. I mean, I think there has definitely been a mixed bag of responses. Glenn, what's your take on this situation, buddy? Um, at the moment, it is what it is, isn't it? I, I'm shocked that it went ahead. I thought they would have pulled the whole card as soon as that happened. But reading into what Dana said, um, even though there's a 10 to 14 day um, uh, period of the symptoms showing, once if you get tested before the symptoms, you, sh- you, know, you should show you had it. And they retested most people that had been around, apparently, and they, they, they hadn't tested positive. So that's why it went ahead. Yes, it's a tricky one. I mean, I just hope that nothing comes of it now. I hope it's just a case that D'Souza has it and no one else and, and we carry on with these cards. But you just, you just never know, Katie, deal with this at the moment. It uh, seems to just be one thing after another. Yeah, it's, yeah, anything could happen, couldn't it? Though I saw um, Peter's comment pop up there about Dana fist bumping everyone and he fist bumped Jack Array and then I think the next person up was Michelle Walterson and... They hugged and then she hugged Carla. So, um, yeah, hopefully they get away with it. 
fingers crossed for for all that. Otherwise, we're we're not gonna have too many shows to talk about. So yeah, we <laughs> we got we got hope these shows keep going on. That's all I can say. Um, I, I I'll leave it at that. I I hope it's all okay, and I I've got my fingers and toes crossed for it. So yeah. Um, but that takes us on to the next fight, which was. It was a, the fight that I predicted was going to be the fight of the night. Obviously, it, it wasn't just because the Gaethje-Ferguson fight was so good, but that fight was Calvin Cater versus Jeremy Stevens, two absolute warriors. Um, two guys, you know, they're known for going out and putting on great shows, and they really did it again tonight. Uh, that night, Katie, first of all, talks to the fight. It was a finish for Calvin Carter, I should say. Calvin Cater, I should say, for people who didn't see it, he got... A, pr- a pretty brutal elbow made me feel a little bit sick seeing that elbow hit, hit Jeremy in the face. And obviously then the, the finish comes shortly after. What was your take on this fight? It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. He caught him with that right elbow. He just went down like a, a sack of shit. He got <laughs> in a couple more shots, including that other vicious elbow that just sliced open his forehead. And he, he didn't know what day of the week it was. It was just, it was beautiful. And Cater is just, I think he's one of the most underrated like people in that division. Um, he's amazing. He obviously fought Chris Fishgold um, and it was gutting for all of us that um, he fought him. I thought that was a massive person to, to give Fishgold that early on in his UFC career. Yeah. Um, and I know he's desperate to get that one back, but Cater's got to be right up at, at the top of that division now. Like Zabit, he fought won. as well and went did a good, had a good fight against Zabit. And yeah, and I, I said last night, I think people sound like idiots when they say if that fight had been five rounds, he would have won. But he really was turning the tide in that fight, and Zabit was clinging on, and his gas tank was gone. So he really did come. He's he's given to beat the toughest test of his career so far, um, and I really think he's not far off of those top guys. So, yeah, I'd, I I think I would like to see him fight um, the Korean Zombie or Yaya Rodriguez. Yeah, no, that wouldn't be a bad fight. Um, Kate Kate is an absolute animal. I mean, he's he's one of these fighters he can really put on when he has to and. Chris, I mean, this all came off the back of a first round where Jeremy Stevens had, you know, really put it on him in the first round. He's, you know, pinging him with them low kicks, catching him with good shots. The first round clearly went to Jeremy Stevens, but then for him to come and turn it around like that, what, what does that say about this guy? Um, it says that karma caught up with Jeremy Stevens for starters, because uh, I think that Jeremy Stevens deliberately shit house. Um, he came in a, a ridiculously heavyweight knowing full well that missing weight, um, he would be better hydrated. He's known for his power shots. He's, 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 more pa- he's, he's, he's a better strike. Well, he's, he's more known for um, hitting hard than having a good technique. Um, it's a difficult fight for him, and he knew full well if he caught Kata with a decent shot, it, you know, anyone that gets caught with a decent shot by Stevens, uh, 80% is going to go to sleep, let alone Stevens at 100%. So when in it was at 150.5 yeah, pounds or something... To really back up your theory on that, Chris, I think is the fact that he had to get the hoop and everything out to weigh exactly the five pounds over that he could weigh for the fight to still go ahead. Like, Mm. he literally, it's almost like it was calculated to hit that weight rather than 146 pounds. 
Yeah, that's the way that I viewed it because uh, he knew full well that this type of event, you're not going to get a late replacement in. And they're not going to try and pull that fight off the card as well because it's going to be an entertaining fight. So um, it's a calculated risk. Lose, what, 20% or 25% of your purse. Go in, still get your win bonus if you knock the guy out. And it, it maintains your position within the UFC. Um, him losing puts him in quite a precarious position, I think. He's been around forever, but he's not got a great record recently. So, um, yeah, I was, it's a shame because I actually put money... Stevens was part of my uh, accumulator bet. Um, so... I was gutted in that respect, um, but to actually see the way that Katar took him apart and that finish was just sublime, wasn't it? Uh, it was, uh, as some people in MMA would say, unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's a couple of things. I'm, I'm just having some comments up, guys, so i just got to quickly go to the comments. First thing is, guys, i I got to apologise on behalf of Katie Hunter. For everyone who's watching. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're getting a lot. We're getting a lot of comments coming in about Katie Hunter's terrible language. So I don't know what I said actually. What did I say? Peter Knox is saying he loves a woman who swears. Um, but guys, come on, we're all friends here, you know. Um, and then we've Sorry, got a comment. Chris. We've got a comment from Peter Knox who's saying he thinks Chris looks like a fat Yoel Romero. Um, <laughs> I think you'll find I look like the body double of Yoel Romero. <laughs> we're yeah. 42, we're brown. We both have strange voices. Both have <sighs> awesome abs. So, yeah. I'll say nothing on that, Chris, buddy. I'll, say, I'll, I'll, I'll plead the fifth on that one, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, Glenn, what, what did you think of this fight, buddy? Calvin Cater and um, Jeremy Stevens. Uh, a big, big win for Keita. Where, where does he stand in this division now, do you think? Who does he take next? He's got to, he's got to be up there now, isn't he? But um, out of that division, I love Ortega. So, but I'd like him to see to fight Ortega next. And before oh. a title shot. I think Ortega is going to be fighting the, zo- the zombie, I think, though, isn't he? They're still trying to make that one happen. It's, it's still on the cards. I thought one of them was injured. I, I am. I really think they're trying to make it. that one happen. Yeah. But uh, I thought Stevens would win in that fight. I had that wrong. Um yeah, and again, the finish is brilliant. That second elbow when he hit him on the floor, I don't think anyone would have taken that one. I thought he would have put it into a different dimension. He's up with Ben Aspen's knockout. That would have been him going yeah. past as a ghost, but, but that was insane. <laughs> and, 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 and when he followed through, hit him again and tried like a ground and pound, the amount of blood that splashed or rubbed on him, I thought he was cutting all on accident, but, yeah. Yeah. but uh, it was unreal. Well, it's, it was another case, kind of like in the Dominic Cruz Cejudo fight as well, where it was just a brilliant adjustment. I think Glenn wasn't it with that fight. Yeah, he he, he took yeah. a lot of leg kicks early on, but he started to come back with the punches. What does that say about a fighter, Glenn, when they can make that kind of adjustment in the cage? No, it just says it all, doesn't it? It's not about uh, <laughs> everyone. Has, like, everyone's a game plan, like uh, Tyson says. Until they get punched in the face, you've got to be able to change up, or you're not going to go. <laughs> I can't stop reading that. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so everyone got a game plan until they get punched in the face. So it's how you adjust and it didn't deal with it. But yeah. I, I found, even though KRK that was a was the longer guy, um, I, I think he was doing the most damage when Stevens was pressing inside. So when he's coming inside the pocket, uh, Kate was catching him more and then forced him to go back out and catch him with a longer one on the way out. And that's when that elbow come from, is when Stevens pressed forward to get inside the pocket for him to whip on over the top. Yeah. So sometimes being longer, okay, it makes sense who to think, but he perhaps prefers to fight on the inside. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's a, a good insight there, Glenn. We just had a lovely comment from uh, Murdoch <laughs> Tantamini there. I, I'm not, I'm not going to read it out because you know I, I'm just not going to do it. But a big shout out to Murdoch. I, I haven't spoken to him for a long time. Uh, the first, the first time I actually interviewed. Murad Janzamini was it was a live stream on Facebook and um, <laughs> he, he he messaged me he messaged me a few days before and I was absolutely bricking it I was thinking that this guy's gonna get us pulled off he was like it, the, the things he was Don't saying say but honestly honestly big shout out because he was one of the best interviews we ever did and um, yeah like to speak to that guy again and uh, I'll have a phone with you know, he was one of Tony Ferguson's main training partners for this fight. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh, that's what it was. Tony had, had Tinder on his brain. He couldn't wait to finish and go swipe in. That's what it was. <laughs> Blame <laughs> him. Yeah. Hey, or what do you call it? Plenty of hoes or something, his new one. <laughs> yeah. I'm very I... disappointed in you. Yeah. <laughs> as Katie, Katie frozen there by the looks of her? She, she's been in that... Um... No, she's, she's still moving. I think it's the shock of what Murdoch wrote. You, you with us, Katie? <laughs> I'm, I'm having a few signal problems, but I'm still here. Good. There we, go. there we go. So yeah, big, big shout out, Murdoch. Can't wait to have you back on soon, buddy. Um, but yeah, like, as Peter Knox has said, we'll get him on the late show where where language is allowed. We'll get him on with Katie Hunter this time. I think, we'll, so we'll have to start at ten o'clock at night, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, past the watershed, definitely. <laughs> Um, but yeah, our, the, the next fight down below that one then is uh, Greg Hardy versus Jorgen De Castro. I actually really enjoyed this fight. Uh, Greg Hardy got a unanimous decision, uh, switched things up, kind of second round, and really did well. I, I come to you for this again, Chris, for this one. What did you make of this fight and, and this victory for Greg Hardy? Um, we saw the very best Greg Hardy that we've seen in the UFC. Um, he's starting to adjust and become a fighter now. Um, certainly a more round, well-rounded fighter. But I think a lot of it does have to go down to the fact that De Castro broke either his foot or his toe in the second, um, throwing a leg kick. Hardy yeah. stepped away from it, and um, it completely ruined De Castro's movement. He became sensitive. He didn't want to engage whatsoever and allowed Hardy then to impose himself. But the Hardy, a couple of fights ago, would have just gone in all guns blazing, Francis and Garni style, but without the power, just haymaker, throwing hay bale, haymakers trying to uh, finish the haymakers and hay bales yeah. <laughs> <laughs> throwing them big old bungalows um but no he he was he was calm he was efficient uh, with his energy he um he actually started to look like a proper fighter um so as much as he seems like an awful human being he came across very well um within the cage certainly professionally yeah and he victory yeah, it was. And he avoided some big shots as well. Katie, what was your thoughts on um, De Castro? Because he, he looked dangerous, didn't he? Even though Greg Hardy did make the adjustments, De Castro was always in there. Yeah, I thought as soon as his, his foot got injured, though, he just like stopped altogether. It's like he'd given up, even though he was carrying on. And for me, I didn't really enjoy the fight after that. I found it a little bit boring. Obviously, Greg Hardy is improving. I've, I am biased. I don't like him anyway. It just wasn't one of the fights on the card that I massively enjoyed. Um, just was it, I don't know. I just I feel like there's a lot of more skilled fighters that never get as high up the card as Hardy, which isn't his fault. Um, and a lot of people that I'd prefer to see in in those top spots, but. 
it again it wasn't his fault that the Castro injured himself and couldn't really throw much but from then on I thought it was just him outpointing his way to victory yeah Glenn um Peter Knox's comment that he loves Hardy he's improving every fight uh, would you agree with that yeah, um, I'll be honest there. I, I haven't known too much about Hardy since you no, know, since he started. Obviously, his name has been out. I've seen a couple of his fights, but then we started looking into him. I think the only thing for me he, uh, for him to be a standard fighter, which he, he seems that's what he is. I'm not sure if he's got much wrestling or grappling. He needs to add a bit more zip to punches. I mean, he's clearly an athlete with his background. He's clearly disciplined. Because what I liked as well is when his coaches was back in orders, he was listening. You know, um, you could see him um, when he was. Funny enough, it was DC that said from a commentary to check that kick, and he checked the kick that broke his toe. Yeah. So, you know, you can see him listening, you can see him listening and acting, but for him to be considered anywhere near the top, I wouldn't say top 10, he's far from that. For anywhere near the top half, he needs to have a lot more zip. I mean, um, uh, De Castro, his leg kicks were savage. If he hadn't yeah. checked that kick and broke his toe, I think, I think he would have buckled his leg. Because uh, he's a lot quicker. There's a lot more zip. Um, them overhands, all right, they was telegraphed. You could see them come in. But if any of them had caught them, I think we would be in a world of trouble. Yeah. Uh, Glenn, one, one thing I'm going to ask you as well. This is completely non-fight related, but are you, are you having a competition with me for worst lockdown haircut at the moment? Ah, uh, it's not a competition. Oh, man, <laughs> I, I've been in my hat, but the buttons just come undone, so... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I win. I want to win, man. I think I win. I win. It's close. It's close. It, it is close, guy. I think you might just you might just but, shave me on the worst lock oh, at, this, at the moment. Let's put a, for the last couple of minutes. Then check into the vote. Does who was the worst lockdown haircut? Myself or Lewis? <laughs> there we go. In the comments. Let's go. Yeah. Let's have a look. We'll see. We'll see. Sorry, we, should we put that yeah. question in for the last couple of minutes or what? Yeah. Chris, you're not allowed to. Yeah. You're, you're not allowed to comment on that one, Chris. Right. <laughs> Lewis, should we get a, should we put that question in for the last five minutes of the show? Yeah, if you want, if you if you want, I I know yeah. I know what I know what the answer is, Glenn. So I I don't need that answered. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean me and you. The tattoo question. Oh yeah, go on, stick it in. Right, anyone watching, we got a question for you. Name as many UFC fighters or top fighters who have their own names tattooed on them. So there's a there tattoo over there. As many fighters as you can with your own names tattooed on them. There we go. We, and and just think, put them in the comments and then uh, Frank, you'll check them up for us. Get you all then, involved. Okay? Yeah, and then whoever gets the most right, Katie Hunt is going to give a prize to. Yeah. <laughs> <Am> I? <laughs> so, whoever wins can have a one-minute grapple with Peter Knox. <laughs> yeah. Alcohol and beer, not allowed. He's already running marathon tomorrow. He's running marathon tomorrow because he he had a bet with Aidan Stephen that uh, he would and and um, Scott Malone that he would easily run a marathon and five hours is a shit time. Sorry, Chris, I've done it again. <laughs> five hours <laughs> is a terrible yeah. time, and Peter thinks he can do it in three hours. Yeah. So Peter, no Peter, got, Peter got to stop making these bets. You got to stop making these bets. But we're not going to have a grapple with Katie Hunter for a minute. M much better prize. <laughs> um, Katie, going back... Distancing is over. Yeah. <laughs> Katie, going back to what Glenn said about um, the fighters hearing what DC was saying, what, what was your take on that? I know they said in the commentary, what, like maybe should they be commenting further away because people could hear. I think 
Carla Esparza heard some some of the comments as well. What, what was your thoughts about that? Yeah, it must be really strange. And I know Brad Walton mentioned it when he was speaking to Danny recently about um, Daniel Strauss on the Cage Warriors 113. Um, when he's talking about some of the uh, jiu-jitsu moves and he's explaining how someone advances a position or defends a position, he was coaching them. And But what could he do? Because he was on top of the action. I don't actually see why they've got to be in there when they spend most of the time looking at the monitors anyway. Mm. Um, and how can they be honest about someone, you know, having a bad performance or whatever while they're in there? That's could get in their head. Um, and it was also really strange how they were set out, how, how you know, like they've been together the whole time. Everyone had seen they'd been together and then they were distanced in there. It was just, I don't know, it's a bit strange. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 food for thought, isn't it? Like you said, I I know Dana said in the post interview that you know there's definitely a lot a lot of things they need to work on. They're they're improving with this kind of situation, and I think that will be the case. You know, the UFC's behind the scenes staff are really really good at this kind of thing. So I, I don't know. It, it'll just be interesting to see where they go with it. So I mean, I guess maybe we'll pick up on this next week after the card and and, and see what they do, and we can talk a bit more about it then. I mean, Chris, Chris, I can see you getting ready to say something. What's yeah, what, what's your I'm take, saying, buddy? If if you're saying that Carla Esparza actually heard what they were saying, then she didn't react whatsoever to what they were saying because all they kept saying was, if she needs to, if if uh, she was going to take Michelle Watson down, which obviously was the game plan, Watson is the striker, Carla Esparza is the wrestler, then she needs to get with it, she needs to actually close the distance to be able to take her down. Esparza was trying to take, trying to shoot from five, I don't know, five meters away. It was she was just telegraphing every single shot. She didn't adjust her game plan one bit. So regardless of the fact that people can hear what's being said, you've still got to actually take that on board. And it's not a voice that you're used to hearing. And when you're actually in that zone anyway, are you actually going to take it on board? So I don't think it's that big a, I don't think it's that bigger issue. Unless someone's literally on top of them, like, you know, what Katie referenced before, when you've got someone with the ability of Daniel Strauss talking about how someone would get out of a, get out of a, a submission attempt when they're literally right next to them. Yeah, I suppose that would be a, a benefit to them. But actually being in the action, stood, you know, toe-to-toe with your opponent in the middle of the octagon, I can't see that being a massive issue whatsoever, really. Yeah. And, you know, go, and also, just referencing what Katie said about the way that they're set out, why bother spreading them out when at the start of the broadcast they were stood next to each other? You know, yeah. what's the point? Very if, strange, if, wasn't it? If you're going to get it, if you're going to get it, you're going to get it at the very start. You're not going to get it from um, sitting next to each other. And, you know, it, the fact that they're separated, really caused a problem for John Anik because he was desperate just to say something. It was Anik, wasn't it? The, the third yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah because yeah, he's just desperate to say yeah. something. And what he was saying, he, he made Mike Goldberg sound, you know, as in Mike Goldberg <laughs> 10 years ago, sound really <laughs> professional because he, <laughs> he was struggling to get involved in the conversation. It was essentially Rogan and DC chatting to each other and coming up with quite, well, apart from some craziness that Rogan came up with, but still relatively ra- uh, valid points. And then every so often you'd just hear Anik pop in with, I don't know, uh, uh, sponsored my, by Modelo beer, the whatever beer it is in, in whatever, you know, whatever the, the slogan, slogan was, that was pretty much all that he was adding. And without actually having those other two vibing off of him, he really, really struggled. It was just the strangest setup. Yeah, I, I kind of get, I, I didn't notice that at the time, but now you say it, I kind of, I, I definitely get what you mean. But like I said, I think, Chris, it is one of those things, you know, it, it's a strange situation, isn't it? They're gonna have to, gonna have to take some time to figure it out. I, my money would be on 
them all sitting together next time though i reckon next yeah. card i think i think they'll all be back together check some masks on him they'll be fine yeah definitely I mean, while we're on it as well, Katie, I'll come to you because we were talking about Michelle Waterson and Carl Esparza just there. Um, obviously, Carl Esparza getting a win. I, I'd say maybe a little bit of an upset as well. What, what was your take on that fight? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't massively agree with the decision, but I didn't feel it was that much of a robbery to 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 comment upon. It was. I don't think. That's the kind of fight that, I don't know, two really high-profile women in the division and watching a fight like that, I don't think does much to draw fans to women's MMA. It was a bit dull. Um, I did think that Michelle did enough to win with stuffing a lot of the takedown attempts, but it, yeah, I don't know. I, did, I, I didn't care about it as much as I should have, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I kind of get what you mean. It was it was one of those when I think, uh, like you said, Aspars is definitely going to be happy to come out with a win. I think I think she probably was a, a bit of an underdog in that fight. And uh, yeah, I mean, mm. where'd she where'd both these go in now, Chris? Um, both of them are sitting as middle order fighters. Neither of them are good enough to be able to really make a run for the title. Um, st- going back to what you're saying, styles make fights. And both of these fighters because they've got such disparate styles and um, they're both so wary of each other's um, strength. So Esparza wanted to stay well out of striking range. She didn't even want to stay within um, uh, Watson's kicking range. So she stood on the outside all the time. Watson was just really wary not to overcommit to any type of strikes but in case Esparza got hold of her limb and took her down because she knew if she got taken down, then Esparza probably would have won the round. Um, I, what Glenn was talking about earlier and it's something we've spoken about in a previous show about... Um, Defend, uh, defensive wrestling should be scored. Absolutely should have been in this because Esparza didn't. She landed. I think she got, did. She get Watson down. She did it. It was only brief. It was only uh, briefly. Yeah, she did. Um, but she did literally nothing with it whatsoever. Um, Watson stuffed far more than um, than Carla than Carla landed. Um, I thought that Watson actually uh, landed more shots as well, from what I could see. Um, I couldn't see how Carla Esparza won that fight. Um, I don't know, maybe the judges, or clearly the judges saw it very, very, very differently. I've watched it a couple of times and trying to be objective about it and I just couldn't see it. Mm. Um, but I didn't do, like I said, didn't do either of these, um, these athletes any favours the way that the fight turned out because it's a chance for them to showcase themselves um, and neither of them really did that. They, it's technically a very smart fight, but it just wasn't exciting whatsoever. And when you, in a on a fight card with so many exciting fights, there are exciting fights beforehand, you know, and they knew full well there's going to be exciting fights after them as well. Um, I think that they should have taken more risks, um, which is a shame because on paper that would have looked like a, a really intriguing contest. Yeah. Uh, Peter Knox is saying he'd let her take him. She, Peter would let Carlos Barza take him down, which yeah, fair play, Peter. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying anything about that, buddy. um and i mean obviously like you said glenn you 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 thought it was a bad decision with a judge in there but glenn i want to come to you next and and talk a little about the cowboy and anthony pettis fight because that was another one where i think a lot of people thought cowboy had won that fight um obviously anthony pettis getting the decision uh it it was close what what was your take on the fight yeah it was close but i mean you, you can just tell by uh showtime's 
reaction when they raised his hand. He was he was shocked. But um Cowboy being Cowboy took it well, but I think it was yeah, I think definitely Cowboy won it. Well, even Hector oh, turned around and said straight away at the end, he said, I'll take it. And yeah. He you know, said it to Cowboy, and then he even said it to Rogan as well in the cage. He didn't think that, he didn't think that he'd won it at all, did he? No, he didn't, did he? But, like, you know, that being said, they, they both didn't change anything up. I mean, okay, there's no guarantee you win, there's no guarantee you lose in. But neither of them even thought about changing the game plans to the fight. Hmm. You know, they, they stuck to it. They didn't try and shoot in overly. I've... Okay, Cowboy had a few stuffed attempts, but it was nothing too much. Well, the good thing, to, the one good thing to come from that. I thought it showed. Sorry, Katie, go on, carry on. Go on, Chris. Pause again. Yeah, that, that terrible, that Essex Wi Fi, Katie. Yeah, you're turning into Glenn. You want to get on the date there as well. Go <laughs> 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 on, okay, You're back again. Oh, sorry. I was I was just going to say that one thing it highlighted to me was how far off of the top of that division both those guys were. They they just look a million miles away from the fighters they used to be and the fighters they, you know, who were at the top of that weight class. But they actually fought Keep... well to weight, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, now, the one thing I was going to say was I thought that um, what, yeah. it, what it did highlight was how much better fighters are when they're fighting closer to their natural weight because um, Pettis took some shots from Cerrone, which at 155 would have just, it would have been sent to the Darklands. You've seen that, you know, Cerrone catches you right, you're out. Um, But a fully hydrated Pettis actually took those shots and absorbed them and still managed to come back. And I didn't think he actually won the fight, but it wasn't quite the same travesty as as I thought the the previous fight that we talked about was. Katie, go on then. I said for a while, if I could change anything in MMA, it'd be I'd do away with day before weigh-ins and have hydration tests. Just add add uh, a few more weight classes in between one seventy, uh, uh, one sixty-five, then say, and add um, one above right every weight, and then just have everyone normal weight. So the only people who are missing out for me now is is the fans because you're so tired after a heavy weight cut. I feel there's just no need for it anymore. There's enough numbers there now to stop trying to pinch these inches to, for, you know, to get be better. Then just just yeah. stick to a normal weight. It, it's definitely one we've we've spoke a lot about this on the show, and we we can never really come to a a hundred percent sort of agreement because we always one person says one thing, one person says another thing. We, we've it's one of those. I I personally agree with you, Glenn. I think I'd like to see a few more weight classes, but at the same time, I don't know. I I think the system is there. It follows the boxing model, doesn't it? I suppose, but you never see. You're always going to get fights as well. We're going to try and pinch an inch. You're always going to get them trying to cut a little bit more than the others to get advantage of the hydration test and then hydrate or whatever or do what they can. But you know, let's try and get a little level playing field because for me, the only ones missing out are us as fans. You know, they're not getting an edge over their opponent because they're the same size as them. They cut it from the same weight. Katie, Peter Knox is saying that these guys should both retire now. What's what's your thoughts on that? Um, I think they've still got a job to do for the UFC. Um, I think having Pettis on a main card is, well, this time they weren't even on a main card, but exceptional circumstances. I think there's still a place for them and, and the job they do, I just don't think it's, and it hasn't been for a long time, 
quite you know a title run or anything um they're they're big fan favorites i thought that was the weirdest fight of all without a, a crowd apart from the main event because usually cowboy would get such a reaction from the crowd but i think he looks tired and he looks old cowboy um and i think offering to fight three times in a week <laughs> Ain't the one. And especially that Florida Commission might even sign it off, Cowboy. So <laughs> be careful yeah. what you commit to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Chris, what what do you think? I mean, it, like you said, with Cowboy wanting to fight three times in a week, I think it shows he's still got that kind of fighting spirit. But is the body there now, do you think? Um, like Katie said, I think they've got a place within the roster. You can't always have people who are just running for the title. You need to have those, um, those experienced guys, the people who have been around, the crowd favourites, the people who bring in, um, not necessarily the pay-per-view figures, but the people who bring in the terrestrial figures as well, which is why they'd have them at the top of the end of the card. Um, and you need people who will test those up-and-comers to see whether they're actually capable of moving up to that next level. And Cowboy and, and Pettis are both those types of people. You can put them in at 170 or 155, and you put them in up against some... some you know, young up-and-comer, up test them, see how good they are. Um, you know, they're, they're both draws. Uh, they both want to continue fighting. They've both got an attractive fighting style. Um, so, yeah, I, I still think they're a good couple of years away from retirement. Um, in terms of Cowboy fighting three times in a week, well, Cowboy just wants to get paid, doesn't he? You know, it, yeah. but that ranch isn't going to pay for itself for knows the guns, the windsurfing, the boats. Um, you know, whatever crazy shit that he does as well. Um, on another show, they call him a shit-eating wild man, and I think that's pretty much right. He's um, he's a crazy bastard. He just he just loves fighting. So, um, no, definitely not having him on three times in a row, but definitely keep him on the roster uh, yeah. until he's at the point where he um, he's a danger to himself. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with that, Chris. To be fair, I think that's a, a fairly good assessment, buddy. Yeah. Um... So, with that being said, obviously a, a great card. I think, to be fair, I think it was a card everybody needed. Um, we've been, we've definitely been missing the sport a lot the last couple of months. Uh, Kate, Katie, was was you? Do you enjoy this card overall on Saturday night? I thought it was a good card. I don't think it was the the mega card that um, Dana was trying to bang the drum for it to be. Um, it was a good fight, a good card with good fights on it, and they delivered a good performance most of them i enjoyed it but i would have enjoyed any show coming back yeah. after this long yeah <laughs> glenn do you agree with that yeah you know you, you you could have put um people in the fight that our local shows on and people would have paid for it because that's desperate i mean uh but i'm a firm believer not always a big the bigger name sell the bigger fights i think it, it takes people who need to try and fight their way up to actually put a bigger show on for us because they got to prove a point to be here then. I mean, sometimes it's higher names get, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're already there sort of thing, so they don't feel like they don't have to don't have to put a show on it. Yeah, no, I get what you mean. That, that makes sense. Um, it, it was a good call for me, Chris. I mean, UFC 249 in the books now. Um, how do you think this one's going to be remembered when we look back in a couple of years and, and we look at this card as the, the first one during coronavirus? Well, as long as no one dies um, or no one gets seriously ill as a result of being in the presence of Shakur and his two cornermen, um, hopefully it'll be remembered fondly because I think we also need to pay homage to the matchmakers as well because yeah, the course. way that they crafted that card, 
is absolutely amazing. They put the right people together to create the right environment to actually give us those level of fights. And from bottom to top, you know, a couple of very noticeable exceptions, that was banger after banger. You know, you look at, um, I watched, uh, rewatched Bryce, Bryce Mitchell, Fev Nasty versus Charles Rosa today. Now, bear in mind that I'm not even a massive grappling fan, but that, oh my God, that fight was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Now, from there, which is on the pre-prelims, all the way up to Justin Gaethje putting on the most stellar performance that he's ever put on in his life. That was a hell of a set of fights all the way through. So, you know, fair play to the UFC matchmakers. They did a really good job. Um, the event was really enjoyable. Um, providing, as I said, no one dies or no one gets seriously injured as a result of it. Um, I think it will be remembered as being one of the better events that they've put on in recent years. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, that, that brings us uh, to the end of this show. We've obviously picked the bones of UFC 249. Big, big, big card, all done and dusted. We've got another show coming up on Thursday night. Peter Knock is telling me that is obviously going to be reviewing the fights that go on on Wednesday, once again, in Florida. Uh, Katie Hunter, what, what's the lowdown with our show for people who want to watch? We've got um, what the impressionists from Britain's Got Talent. Um, Peter, remind me of his name. He's on next Sunday, and we're going to be doing impressions as the challenge next Sunday. So something else for me to fret about a week yeah. until Sunday. <laughs> so is he coming on on the Thursday show as well? On the Sunday show, Sunday. Oh, that's the Sunday show. Right, okay. Uh, yeah. That, so, Danny... Uh, Danny Post Hills, his name. Sorry, Danny. Um, so, yeah, this week from us, we're going to be back on Thursday, aren't we? Um, and predicting Saturday's uh, fights and, and also reviewing the fights on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, this is the, the card for Wednesday. Yeah, I'm interested. Sorry, predictions in... now. Quick, quick prediction now. Is Ray Ball going to make weight? <laughs> no. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to be optimistic. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be yes cynical. So, yeah, yeah, he's going to make it. Yeah. If not, we forgive him. I'm going to go, Katie. I'm going to go with a no. <laughs> I reckon he's going to miss. There you go. I'm, I'm really excited for the Alexander Hernandez fight as well. I, I don't know why. I, I, I kind of like watching him fight. So I yeah, love OSP. And hopefully there'll be a sub this week because there's no subs the weekend. Mm, exactly. They should have been in that opening one. If Charles Rosa wasn't as good as he was, then he, would, he should have been subbed out about 50 times in that very first fight. Oh, yeah. I, I actually yeah. missed that fight, right? but I tried looking for it today. And uh, what oh, I'm hearing in Black Tide Nasty, he was outstanding. It was on Fight Pass. It, it I think was. it was three twister attempts. Um, there was countless um, he, um, head and arm triangles that he tried. Uh, he just literally dominated on the floor. It was... It was Poetry, as my mate would say, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I'll get all that tomorrow. Have a watch, Glenn. Have a watch, buddy. But yeah, for, for now, that's the end of the show, guys. Um, as we put on, we're we gonna do the names. Have the anyone uh, come over the tattoos? There we go, Katie Hunter. I completely forgot about that. So, well done for reminding me. Go, go on, Katie, take, <laughs> take it away. You, you can do the names, Katie. Oh, well, Peyton Ox has competed, he's got. Gaethje, Holloway, Cerrone, Swanson, Cyborg, Elkins. Has Elkins got his name as well as that horrible, the damage one? Or are we counting fight names? I, I, hope, I hope it's on this one. <laughs> 
There's probably more guys. If you've got any more, please drop them in the I comments. Got, we'll I got two more, man. Go on, Sledge, McGregor, um, McGregor, and uh, Showtime. Yeah. Showtime, yeah. Chris, you got any? No, Chris is frozen, guys. And um, I used to have mine, but I had it covered up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't lie, Glenn, it was in case you forgot your name. <laughs> it was, mate. There was only <laughs> four people <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Guys, as always, it's been a major pleasure talking to you. Um, another one in the books. For everyone watching, thank you, first of all. And please do follow us on our YouTube channel, on our Facebook channel. Subscribe to us. Um, like I said, we want to we eventually um, try and take this next step further. So we want to get as many followers as we can. And really just kind of keep pushing the content that we make. We really enjoy it. And uh, we hope you do too. So, yeah, give us a follow. And, um, yeah, until next time, guys, thank you very much. And I'll see you all soon. See you guys. Thank you.